at SAFM Radio and at Mish Constant on SAFM. Thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. So over the last couple of weeks, we've uh, seen our matriculants uh, just finding out what the results were. The annual results were announced. And of course, uh, they are a useful data set to determine how many learners sat for, wrote, and passed their matric exams. But when we talk about a data set, it's more than just the numbers. And I think maybe historically we often say, well, can we just figure out what the numbers, how many people listened to the show? Well, perhaps it might be interesting to find out what did they think of it while they were listening to the show and how do we start to address that kind of evaluation. So we thought we'd try and find out in isolation what does the matric pass rate tell us and, in fact, what doesn't it tell us? Bridget Hanna is an innovation director at the DG Murray Trust. Bridget, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Joel. Hi to the listeners. Bridget, let's go to this idea of data sets. So critically, when we look at results of something, we go 10 people passed out of 12. Therefore, it was a total success. But that's simply a number that tells us how many people passed. What it doesn't tell us is uh, the future of the people who passed, the future of the people who failed. It simply tells us who got a matric certificate. Give us a little bit more about that in relation to uh, the context of South Africa as well. Right. Uh, Firstly, it was terrific to see an improvement in the matric pass rate. I think that is absolutely a positive. And we rely on the matric certificate uh, and, the, and the data that we get there as a reliable point in the in South African learners' education journey. However, just as you say, the sort of the journey of young learners getting to that point and what happens after that certificate is something that uh, DGMT is thinking about so, for example, we know that only 40% of learners who start in grade one get to complete their matric. We've lost so many along the way. And once they have their matric, what does that mean for their life going forward? So when we think about issues of grade repetition, one in five grade, grade 10 learners is repeating. So even between grade 10 and grade 12, there's a story behind there that we need to understand. So let's go to, I'm, a, I'm one of the 60% that goes through school and I finally get through school and I get a matric, mm. um, that certificate. And that certificate could take me two ways. I mean, I could go to university if the matric uh, certificate allows. I could go to a TVET if that's the way I'm interested in going. Maybe I've decided I actually would rather be a plumber than something else because I know I'm going to make more money. And so that might be the route that I decide to go. But then, of course, there's someone else who says, I'm not sure where I want to go with this matric certificate. So what else is behind that certificate? And what are the things that we should be thinking about? Well, something that we think about a lot and are really trying to work with um, internally and with the organizations we work with is, first of all, what the quality of that certificate means. So are learners able to read with comprehension at the right level of their grade? Are they equipped with the socio-emotional navigational skills, the grit and and resilience um, of what job seeking and that next step looks like? And then, as you say, what in the world next? And 
I think something that is so important that really struck me uh, is that we know that a learner who is able to get that matric certificate compared to, say, a grade 10 learner who dropped out will already earn a third more. So, first of all, the, the matric certificate is, in the South African context, it is the first rung on that ladder. Okay. However, again, how are we promoting vocational skills? How are we promoting the idea that getting a job in South Africa might not be as viable as starting to volunteer, uh, perhaps doing a, a work experience before you get you look for that permanent job? What might a basic um, gig economy, you know, some, starting something yourself, just to get that, that, that first sense of what work and the world of work might look like. So we're really sort of thinking about the world of work and how are you productively engaging with the economy rather than getting a job. And then I think we start to, things start to feel a little bit more manageable. Um, if you think about, well, how might I volunteer? What, might, what work skills might I get in a, in a, a volunteer job? You know, I have to say, this is something, so we've asked Indomiso Nkobo to come back on the show again. He was uh, on the uh, show just before us with Seben Zile talking about, and I'm putting this in inverted commas, a gap year, etc., because I don't really buy that term gap year. But anyway, so they were talking, <laughs> they were talking a lot about um, the idea of um, how one looks at life orientation to a degree. And I think you've nailed it when you talk about how we look at the world as it is today and the future of work. And so much of it is about work versus jobs, and it, which is very disconcerting when our government consistently talks about the idea of jobs because maybe jobs are not what people need. Having said that, not everyone can be an entrepreneur. And how does one deal with that? And what does a matric certificate do to help or not help that? I couldn't agree more, and I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, the, the next segment. I think we have to be thinking about how are we skilling for the future of work while learners are in the education system, and there are some uh, innovations happening there around how do you embed within education the, the world of work that we don't yet know. In 10 years, 15 years, we're not sure yet mm. what those jobs might look like, and I think so absolutely we need to be thinking about what's happening in the core education system. But there are opportunities happening in those bridging um, spaces in first, uh, work first work or in further study where we can start to think about, well, how do I build the grit, the resilience, the, the kind of thinking that can help me stay on the pathway? One of the the ways that we like to think about the world of work is as a path, and how are we ensuring that young people don't disengage from that path? It's not a straightforward path. There might be major setbacks, but just to keep keep moving forward and to keep trying for what the next might look like. If this doesn't work, what might I have in my in my back pocket or in my backpack to be able to keep keep moving forward? 
So I'm going to challenge you on something before we close off is when you say we're not sure yet what the future of jobs is, like what the jobs will be in the next 10 years, 20 years. I find that very disconcerting. And the reason I find that disconcerting is we have scientists who are telling us that within 10 or 20 years, people may very well be living on the moon and may very well have already uh, landed on Mars in a different way. And these are scientists. These are not, um, you know, fabulous, uh, uh, what do you call it, Uh, speculative fiction authors. How is it possible that something so close to us we still can't tell here in this country? I don't have this, I don't have a statistic on me that was somebody said recently about the speed of growth uh, of knowledge and knowledge acquisition and, and in the last 10 years. Yeah. I, I think that it's not just a South African issue. I think it's a global issue about constantly reevaluating and readjusting. What we do know is that the growth sector is in South Africa. We do know that there's the global business services, the social sector, tourism, agriculture. So absolutely what we need to be focusing on is how are we skilling young people for the jobs that they are demand for yeah. so that they can find their niche in the work sector to match where we know that there's demand. Yeah. So that is really going to be and is our critical our critical gap that we have to find. How are we making sure that those sectors also seem appealing to young people? How are we bridging knowledge gaps? How, you know, they might be thinking about um, a job in X. Well, we know that there are jobs in agriculture. How are we bridging that? And how are we making that interesting to them and attractive to them? So So that as soon as they're able to finish school, sorry, Michelle, as soon as they're able to finish school, they're able to, to bridge into and stay on that pathway to productivity. So talking about bridging, we're going to leave it there because we're going to Wandile Setlobo to talk about agriculture as we speak. Bridget, thank you so much for making the time early in the morning. Hope you've had that first cuppa and uh, we wish you all the best for the day. Bridget Hanna, Innovation Director at the DG Murray Trust. A very interesting interrogation of a matric certificate, but also what is that journey of work, as she mentioned. And we're going to talk about that further with um, uh Wandile and a lot more as we go forward in the conversation. We've got Ndumisa Ngoba coming back on the show after chatting to uh, the earlier breakfast show before us to just get some insights on that conversation and take it further. 10 to 8.